Grace and peace to you all, and welcome to the Calvary Road with Pastor Sam Allen. And the devil snatches away the word from their hearts. Now, he's not saying we're not responsible for what takes place. Since the devil lies, all we need to do is stand in the truth. So, so since the devil, um, you know, he distorts the word and, and denies the word, all we need to do is stay in the simplicity and truth of the word and, and we'll be fine. In today's broadcast, we have a new two-part message from Pastor Sam entitled, The Sower, the Seed, and the Soils. We will be looking at the first 21 verses of Luke chapter 8 and will be considering two of Jesus' parables, the parable of the sower and the parable of the revealed light. So let's listen in. Let's turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 8. We're looking at the first 21 verses. Title of our study this morning, The Sower, the Seed, and the Soils. Each gospel writer has a specific purpose for writing his gospel. Of course, all of them want to point us to the person of Jesus and, and reveal the gospel that he brings, that he died for our sins, was buried and rose again the third day, that there's forgiveness and life eternal and life abundant in him. All of them focus on those realities, but each of them, well, they kind of come at it from their own background and, and, and with a specific target group. Matthew writes to the Jews. He presents Jesus as the king of the Jews, as the lion of the tribe of Judah. He focuses a lot of his intention attention on fulfilled prophecy. Mark, on the other hand, and his gospel we'll be looking at Wednesday night, he presents Jesus as the suffering servant. He, he's all about action and power and intensity. His focus is on the Romans and, and he's writing to really the Romans. Uh, Luke, we know, focuses on the humanity of Jesus. As we've been studying through, well, we see it. And in our next overview, after we get through Mark, will be of Luke. But, but he presents Jesus as the son of man, as the perfect man, as the perfect example of what God intends a man to be. Then John presents Jesus, of course, as the son of God. It's the, the gospel to the world, as he says, for God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Well, I bring this to your attention for a very practical reason. Luke does something interesting when it comes to the parable that we're commonly, well, we know it is the parable of the sower. I've called it the sower, the seeds, and the soils, because all three are major issues in this particular parable. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all give us this parable, but Luke alone frames it as he does, starting with a group of women that had been ministered to by Jesus, had become followers of Jesus, and at this point we find them actually traveling with and supporting his ministry. They are the first women's missionary society and, and it's important to see it. Here are a group of women who heard the word of God. It took root in their hearts. They believed and whether they were diseased or whether they were demon possessed or whatever their situation was, they were freed and now they are followers of Jesus. When we get to the end of this section, 
we find Jesus' mother and his own brothers coming to him. And it turns out, well, though Mary certainly understood who Jesus was, I mean, you never forget something like, you know, the virgin birth, especially when you're the virgin. Uh, it's clear that she knows who Jesus is, but his brothers don't believe in him. So we have this contrast, if you will, from those who did hear and did believe Whereas we're going to see in a moment, the seed of truth took root and produced fruit. And then we have his own natural family that, well, that wasn't happening. It ultimately does, but not until after his death, burial and resurrection. Well, came to pass, we read in chapter eight, verse one. Afterward, he went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons. Joanna, the wife of Husa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their substance. So the picture here, and it's important. Again, Luke is focusing on Jesus' humanity. He deals with Jesus' connection to the least and the last and the lost. Women in that day, first century, were certainly marginalized. Most rabbis would never teach a woman. Here's a rabbi traveling with a group of women. So very unusual, very unorthodox in that particular way. And so... Jesus, having ministered to them, allows them now to join with the disciples and the others who were traveling. They're there for the miracles. They're there for the teaching. And they are using their own assets to sponsor and support him as he travels, as it tells us here, from city to city, from area to area, from village to village, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. Well, a great multitude had gathered and they came to him from every city. He spoke a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside and it was trampled down and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns and the thorns sprang up and with it choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. What Jesus does in giving us this parable is explain to us one of life's greatest mysteries. That mystery, how four people very much alike in every other way can sit and hear the same exact message from the lips of our Lord or from the word of God recorded for us by our Lord. And they have four completely different responses. And we're going to see, well, he's going to make clear that in Matthew's gospel, the sower is actually our Lord. He was the one initially sowing the seed. In Luke's gospel, it's just the sower. It's whoever 
goes and shares the seed, the word, the truth. And that should be each and every one of us. And as we go out, as he's instructed us to, taking the good news of the gospel to a needy and hurting world, as we go out proclaiming his mercy and his love and his compassion and his grace to a world that's oblivious to it or indifferent, well, what happens is we're going to get various responses. And I love this parable for so many reasons. One of them being it takes all the pressure off the one who's sowing the seed. When we understand the seed is God's word and it's perfect. And that the soil, well, that's the hearts of men, as Jesus will explain to us. And they're certainly imperfect, but each heart different from another. Well, what that means is as long as I'm speaking the truth in love, what happens once I plant that seed? That's between that person and the Lord. It's not my responsibility to convince you or transform you or or make you a believer or make you a better believer. My goal, my job is simple. Plant the seed of truth in hearts. Now, there are lots of approaches to this. And one of the things you have to appreciate about our Lord, among the many things we appreciate, is the fact that, well, if you know a lot about agriculture, as they certainly did in the first century, all of this makes sense. If you know nothing about agriculture, if you, like me, didn't grow up in this area, an agricultural region, I mean, I lived in the streets of Chicago when I was in high school. I moved there from Newport Beach. They're not growing a lot of anything in either of those places. And so when I first read this parable and the others, I actually learned some things about agriculture. And I thought, hey, this is cool. Not only am I learning spiritual truth, because he's using well, what was commonly understood among them to explain what few, if any, would have understood without these kinds of parables. Well, I'm able to actually apply the basic you know, teaching of this in trying to grow a garden or doing those kinds of things. And you'll be able to do the same. Well, he says, and you can see it, farming, of course, has changed a great deal from the first century. But the challenges to producing a crop, they're really very much the same. Uh, the sower, he says, scatters his seed and uh, the seed falls on different kinds of soil and based on the condition of the soil and what happens immediately to that seed, well, then there's either going to be a harvest or there isn't. Now, get this. The purpose of sowing seed is always to bring forth the harvest. No one plants thinking, well, it probably won't come up or probably isn't going to do anything. Of course, you plant because you want a harvest. And so he's telling us, here's how they did it. Now, Today, we plant in a lot of different ways. And, and in fact, uh, you know, if, if you really want to see a, a good harvest, you germinate seeds and you put those things in one at a time. Once they're germinated, plant them in good soil and you pretty much are going to get a plant from every single one. But we don't all do it that way. I mean, I've seen them sowing seed from airplanes. And, and in that day, well, a sower would just walk along a path and he'd have a big bag of seed and he'd throw some out this way and he'd throw some out that way. And as Jesus explains to us as he's sowing a seed, some falls by the wayside. Now, to us, that word sounds like 
somewhere out of the way, but it's actually talking about the very path he was walking. It's the way that he was going. And the problem with the wayside is that that's where he would walk every time and that's where others would walk. So they wouldn't be walking in the prepared soil. And so it would be a beaten down path. The seed, as you scatter it out here, you're not really trying to plant on the wayside, but some of it is going to be blown back in by the wind. Some of it's going to end up there. And, and one of two things happen. He says either you stomp it into the ground or the birds come and snatch it out. Either way, it's not going to take root. It's not going to produce any fruit. There'll be no crop. So he... Um, he, by the wayside, and by the way, he says the birds come and devour them. Now, Jesus explains this for us in just a moment, so I'm not going to explain it before he does. I mean, he's going to do a much better job than I would be able to. But uh, basically, we have the second type of soil, and the first, by the way, is hardened Soil, it's just a path. It's not a good place to plant. Second case, we have the uh, rocky ground. And, and that will be the, the, um, the soil with little topsoil. Now, if you live on the west side of Chico, the soil's really good. I mean, you throw seed in the ground and, and it just something's going to come up. If you live southwest, even better. That's why there are so many orchards and so many rice fields. It's good soil. If you live on the east side, you should know it's all lava cap. And if you ever tried to grow anything there, it's not the easiest thing to do. And, and so uh, what happens is if you do want to grow there, well, my wife's very smart when it comes to this stuff. She actually had imported some soil in. We got it from the worm farm in Durham and, and uh, you know, built some raised beds and put soil this deep. And she just grows amazing stuff in that good soil. But if we just try to plant in the regular soil that's there, it's about this deep. Now, I don't know what it was when they first you know, did this whole housing development where we live. But, but I do know now you have very little soil. So if you water, the water just runs right off. And if you try to plant something, it's just not going to make it. So, so I understand this, this picture of rocky ground. There's little soil, little topsoil. And again, he says what happens in this case is that that it starts to shoot down a root. It, it shoots up a little shoot, and but then the sun comes out and, and immediately it just withers and dies. The third type of soil that he describes for us, and, and again, he is going to tell us, I want you to be thinking like this as we go along. He's going to tell us that the soil is, well, that's our heart. That's the hearts of those we're sowing the truth of God's word in, planting the seed of truth. So we have the hardened soil and then we have the shallow soil and then we have the thorny soil. Now, thorny soil, that could be like Durham soil. Nice and rich and cultivated. It just happens to be filled with weeds. And uh, if you're unaware, weeds, thorns, all a part of the curse. And he says what happens here is that the seed gets planted and it actually starts to look like it's going to produce, but all the weeds and the thorns surround and choke it out so it never produces what it intended to produce either. And so um, fourth situation is the good ground. That's a heart that longs to know the truth, that hears, that embraces, that responds, and it bears a bumper crop. He, he says, you know, uh, 
yields a crop a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, this is the first of three or four clear declarations that he intends those who were listening to understand. He's going to say something a little further down that puzzles many. And it almost sounds like he's really not trying to, uh, you know, make this clear. But he certainly is. And, and we'll see how and why. Verse 9, his disciples ask him, saying, what does this parable mean? I'm so glad they asked. That means I don't have to try to figure it out or make sense of it or, or say, well, here's what I think or here's what could be. I've learned what he was saying agriculturally because I didn't grow up again in an agricultural environment. But now we're going to see him taking that which they certainly understood in order to explain what very few had understood. He calls them the mysteries of the kingdom. And he says to them, to you, it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest, it is given in parables that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now, it almost sounds like he really doesn't want them to hear. I want to tell you that is far from true. Remember, he said, if you have ears to hear, then hear. But there are some people who were following Jesus just to get ammunition against him, to find some way to accuse him. There were some people following just because, well, he was feeding them, to be honest. And he actually bust the group on that. He says, you're just here because you got a free meal yesterday. And so those people didn't necessarily have ears to hear. They weren't there to, to have his word take root in their hearts. They just had their own agenda. They had their own plan. They had their own desire. And so here's the point. His word both reveals and conceals. Parables certainly do that. It reveals truth to those who are seeking the truth. And if they didn't get it or we don't get it, all we have to do is say, well, Lord, could you explain it? Do you know James says if we lack wisdom, ask and he gives liberally and without reproach. Well, that's what they do. They ask and he begins to explain. Matthew clears up any possible confusion in this area when he gives this same parable and it gives an explanation of what was taking place. In Matthew 13, 15, he says, for the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. Their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes. And hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. What's he saying? That it was them, not him, that was concealing the truth. They were shutting their eyes. They were stopping up their ears. They were hardening their hearts. They were refusing to receive the good seed of the word of God. Well, he goes on now to explain the parable. He begins in verse 11. Now this, or the, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. So we know that every seed has life in it. You plant a sunflower seed. If that sunflower seed germinates, you don't get 
another sunflower seed or a handful of seeds, you get a great big plant. Uh, and there are different types. There are sunflowers, you get one great big one like this with hundreds and hundreds of seeds. So that first seed has the potential within it, not just for a sunflower, but for a whole field of sunflowers. So it is with an acorn, not a huge seed, larger than some, but still not huge. But you plant an acorn and if that thing germinates and takes root and shoots up its shoot and grows, it produces a mighty, mighty tree. And the seed for more of whatever it is that's growing is always in the, the, the initial seed. In other words, you only need one orange seed to end up with an orange orchard. And, and it's going to be that way. And so it's so important that we get it. It, it, we see the seed as he does is, is having a life force within it. All it needs is good soil and then light and water in order to grow. And, and here's what's interesting. His word is likened to all those, isn't it? His word uh, is likened to, to water. His word is likened to seed. His word is likened to the light. The only thing that isn't called his word in those pictures is the soil because he says the soil well, that's going to be the hearts of men. Those by the wayside are those who hear and the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Now, he deals with the hardened heart first, and it's important to see it. He's telling us that the moment the word of God is planted in a heart, a spiritual battle begins and that the enemy of our souls comes and desires to steal away that seed. Now, how does he do it? We know. He says we're not ignorant of his devices. We know how he works. He questions the word of God. It's the word of God that's being sown or planted in our hearts. So he comes and questions. Is that really what God said? Is that really what he meant? Is that a right interpretation? That's one of my favorites. People are like, well, that's just your interpretation. Here's the interesting thing. More often than not, I'm not even interpreting. I'm just reading and saying, here's what Jesus said. And they're like, well, that's just what you're saying. No, that's what he's saying. And, uh, and if you see that, I mean, his word is perfect. So the enemy comes and, and he, he tries to steal away the word by questioning it, by, by denying it. You remember that's how he did it with Eve. He questioned the word. He denied the word. He substituted a lie for the truth. And how did she fall? She embraced the lie. She bought the lie and, and forsook the truth. And you know the consequences of, of uh, Eve's sin. In fact, somebody once said, uh, where would we be without women? And a guy wisely said, the Garden of Eden. But uh, I know not everybody thinks that's funny, do you? But, but uh, most guys like it. The truth is, where would we be without women? We wouldn't be anywhere because we would have never been born. So... It's, but anyway, it gets a little air to your brain to, to chuckle for a minute. And, and so the issue here is the seeds, the word, those by the wayside here, and the devil snatches away the word from their hearts. Now, he's not saying we're not responsible for what takes place. 
Since the devil lies, all we need to do is stand in the truth. So, so since the devil, um, you know, he distorts the word and, and denies the word, all we need to do is stay in the simplicity and truth of the word and, and we'll be fine. The idea of sowing and reaping is a very fascinating one. For each of us who have believed, a seed was sown and we were reaped or harvested. As we continue on in life, we do the same as we sow the seed into the world around us, but we also sow into our own lives, and the harvest we get is dependent on what it is that we sow. Galatians 6, 7-9 tells us, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. May we all be diligent in the sowing of the seed of the truth and the gifts of Jesus Christ to those who we come across in this life. But may we also continue to sow to the Spirit with this new life that he has given us. The Calvary Road is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Chico, and you can visit our website, ccchico.com, or download the CC Chico app to contact us and listen to other studies from Pastor Sam. You can also listen to The Calvary Road as a daily podcast by visiting thecalvaryroad.com. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, may you find grace and peace as your journey takes you down the Calvary Road. And your grace.